0: Good morning. One of the things that I love about the new years are the new beginnings. While the fireworks, the black-eyed peas, and the countdown all bring me a great joy and fill me with excitement, the fresh start of the new year really brings a cleansing that you can only truly get from a reset. One of the things, however, that is almost a package deal with New Year's are New Year's resolutions. Reflecting on past resolutions that we made for the previous year and creating new ones. Or maybe keeping some of the same old ones with hopes of a different outcome. In my household, the four of us, me, my mom, my dad, and my brother, will write down two or three resolutions we hope to achieve in the upcoming year. Then we will pin them up on a pin board to see them throughout the year as we walk through the house. As you might imagine, this can be a good or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. Yes, it's not the best feeling when I walk past the board and I am reminded to drink more water as I sip on my third cup of coffee and I have a Dr. Pepper waiting for me in the refrigerator. But in other cases, I have walked past feeling accomplished as as I am reminded that one of my goals for the year is to read 10 books, and I am already on book three by the end of February. That's why resolutions can be tricky. They have the power to leave us feeling a sense of pride within ourselves, but also have the power to leave us feeling unsuccessful. As many of you know, I just completed the first semester of my freshman year of college. While I've already learned so much about life in itself in just one semester, one of the many things that I have taken away is the importance and role of identity in life. In each stage of life, forming an identity can come naturally where you're planted, but it also takes a lot of effort. As a new college student, this is something that I have learned more than ever in this past semester. Forming an identity is at the root of starting fresh in a new community. While yes, there are many key parts to forming an identity in your childhood and in your youth, it becomes different when you get to college. I've learned that in each relationship I form, events I attend, or conversation I might contribute to, they all play a small role in the identity that I'm trying to build up. While much of this is true about forming an identity in your adolescent years, forming an identity in college truly is a different situation. You no longer have family events to go to. They're now your own events. You no longer have family dinners. Instead, you choose the people you want to have dinner with every night. You no longer have your parents telling you to wash the dishes or take out the trash. Instead, those chores that you would dread doing at home are now part of your daily routine. No more relying on my parents if I simply slip up and forget. You're now alone, not associated with your family, attending events by yourself while navigating how to do life in itself. It really is a different kind of identity. While a large portion of the gospel reading this morning is attributed to Jesus and his presentation in the temple, I wanna focus on the prophet that we get to meet in the last few verses of the reading. We meet a prophet by the name of Anna. While we don't get much information connected to her, the small amount that we are given says just enough about the person she was and the heart that she had for the Lord. Verses 36 and 38 tell us, Anna was of great age. Having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer day and night. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. While again, we don't know much about Anna's backstory, we do know that she was a widow who dealt with pain of losing her husband. During during this time, widows were viewed very differently in society than they are today. Women were simply led by their husbands, and when it was their time to pass, they were left to their fathers. Or if they had an adult son, they would be sent to live with him. For these women, having a father or a son was a fortunate case, because otherwise, widows were entirely without resources. Not only that, but widows were also, le- also legally subordinate to these male relatives. So for Anna, she was seen as inferior in society because of her identity as a widow. People identified her as the widow and that is how she was seen by all people in her community. However, despite this stereotype, Anna decided to spend all her time, day and night, worshiping the Lord. While the ways that widows were treated are different than what they are today, I can't help but notice the similarities between the labeling and the identifying nature of society then and society today. Anna Anna was identified as a widow. Nothing more, nothing less. And it is because of this identity that she was treated differently in society. I fear that in many ways we are guilty of this same crime. How many times have we looked out our car window and subconsciously identified someone as homeless and then moved on with our lives, not thinking anything more about that individual? How many times have we talked or thought about an individual and instantly thought single mom, Democrat, Republican, wealthy, poor, screw up, suck up, oh, we don't associate with them? Identity is at the root of how we feel about others in our community. I want to turn to another passage in scripture that you may be familiar with. The story of the woman who was caught in adultery. Early in the morning, Jesus was standing on the Mount of Olives when scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been seen amongst the people having been caught in adultery. They made her stand in front of the crowd and told Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? Jesus pauses momentarily and then begins to crouch down and write with his finger on the ground. Then after they had questioned him, Jesus replied and said in verse seven, let anyone amongst you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Then following this, he, begins, he again bends down and begins to write on the ground once again with his finger. And one by one, the scribes and the Pharisees go away, leaving Jesus alone with the woman. Jesus asks the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replies and says, no one, sir. And Jesus replies and says, neither do I condemn you. Go your own way, and from now on, do not sin again. Notice how different society viewed the woman compared to how Jesus viewed her. Notice how quickly the Pharisees and scribes are instantly judging and condemning. Instantly, when bringing her to Jesus, they identified her as simply a woman who committed adultery, nothing more. Jesus, however, was able to look past this world's identity of her. This is one of my favorite stories in all of scripture, simply because of the act Jesus performs of crouching down and starting to draw on the ground with his finger. Now the reason for this, we will never be 100% certain, but I can only help but wonder if Jesus intended to get the eyes of the Pharisees and the scribes off of the woman and simply onto him. For a moment, I want you to picture yourself in a conversation with a group of individuals and then randomly someone crouches down and starts to draw on the ground with their finger. Immediately, your attention would be shifted from the conversation to what was happening on the ground in front of you. I can only help but wonder if this is what Jesus' mission was. To shift their focus from the sins of others onto only himself. I love this illustration. Jesus is switching the shift of the condemnation and the judgment that was going on around him and putting it all on himself. While they are two different stories, I think this concept is very similar to Anna's in Luke. Anna had an earthly identity, just like the woman who committed adultery. But Anna, despite these things, chose to see Jesus. She chose to run to Jesus day and night, despite what the world was saying of her. Jesus calls us to do the same. It can be so easy for us to get caught up in things of this world, to get caught up in our daily routines, our jobs, our classes, our bank accounts, and I could go on, that it can be so easy to solely keep our focus on things of this world. Oh, how our lives would be shifted if we chose to do as Anna did and seek Jesus day and night, despite all that the world says. In our scripture reading from the book of Psalms, we are called to praise the Lord. In all and through all things to praise the Lord. Verses 11 through 14 tell us, Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and rulers of the earth, young men and women alike old and young together let them praise in the name of the lord for his name alone is exalted his glory is above earth and heaven let me read that last part of the verse again his glory is above earth and heaven god is above all he is above all the earth says all the trials the brokenness the heartache the pain God is above. Sometimes the world can get so loud that we forget that we have a greater God above all, through all, and in all. And each conversation, trial, and accomplishment, God is with us each step of the way. Being a college freshman, one of the many things that I have loved doing is looking back on my four years of high school. As you all know, high school is a very transformative time of your life. And for me, looking back on experiences, relationships, events, and trips are some of the things that help me remain grounded and secure while I'm away at Stetson. One of the most self-rewarding and nourishing experiences of my life so far took place the summer before entering into my freshman year of high school. Every summer, the youth would take a mission trip to a different location with the hopes that God would be at work through each of us as we served another community. This particular summer, we took a trip to Guatemala. For about a week or so, we partnered with an organization called Casas Por Cristos, meaning Houses for Christ, where we were set on a mission to build a house for a family. From laying down cement, to screwing in windows, to sawing wood, somehow, between the group of 15 of us that went, we got the house built. While a number of us on the trip did get sick, myself included, which was not the best experience, the trip was still one of the most prominent events of my life. Thankfully, I was not sick for the entirety of the trip and was able to spend a good amount of time with our team constructing the house. While I do remember much of the construction portion of the trip, the parts of the trip that I have the best recollection of are moments that we spent with the family. The house that was built was directly next to where the family was currently living. What this family was using as their original home was made up of metal plates on all four sides of the house being used as their walls, cloths used as curtains for the front door, and nothing but a hole in the ground for the use of a bathroom. Each of us was being exposed to a different reality than our own. The phrase, you never know all that you have until it is taken away from you, has never resonated with me as it did until I was exposed to the living conditions of this family. This family had so little and yet gave so much. I bet I could speak on behalf of each of us who went, that getting and meeting that family was one of the most amazing gifts that I have ever received. Well, yes, we did gift them with a house. They truly did gift us with so much more. Each day that we were at the site, the family would bring us sliced fresh fruit as a snack, refueling us for the rest of, the work, of our day working. Some of the moments that I got to share with the children of the family are some of my favorite memories from the entire trip. I remember myself and some of the other youth conversing with the kids as they asked us how to say different words in English. I remember the family cooking us an authentic Guatemalan meal on our final day at the site. I remember the moments, the small, tiny details from time spent with this family that's what made this trip so, much, so special. I bring up this story to say that it could have been easy for us to identify this family as X, Y, and Z. After all, they were living a different lifestyle from the rest of us. You see, that family had so little, but it did not stop them from spreading joy, spreading love, being silly, and loving on each one of us that went on that trip. It is because we chose to see past these stereotypes that that family in Guatemala would have fit into that we truly were able to see God's hand at work. Well, yes, God was at work in each piece of wood, each screw, and each hand that lay on that house, God was also at work with the relationships that we were building with the family. Going back to this idea of New Year's resolutions, we all make them, we all have goals, We all have things that we want to accomplish. However, in this next year, I hope that each of us can strive to be like Anna. Despite Anna's identity as a widow, she chose to hold strong to her true identity as a daughter of the Most High and seek the Lord in all she did. You see, in some way, shape or form, each of us can be identified as something. After all, we are human. There will always be people who associate us with a quality given by the world. As we enter into this new year and think and ponder on all of the wonderful things that 2024 may hold, I hope and pray that despite what others may think, say, or do, you will remember that you are a daughter or a son of the Lord, and that is the greatest identity that you hold. I hope and pray that as we are exposed to others and face the temptations of identifying them to patterns of society, we are reminded that they too are a daughter or a son of the Lord. May we be reminded that each of us, in each label, in each stereotype, in each identity that the world offers is truly overruled by our Lord, telling us that we are each sons and daughters of the Lord. And may we hold to that in each day that we face in the upcoming year and for all the years to come. Amen.